0: Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more, because you are made for more. Here's our latest message. To the dads in the room, um, as you know, manhood, men, dads, fathers, is something really, really close and big to my heart. So um, any excuse that I have to talk about men or dads or fathers, I get really excited. So um, I know today, though, first and foremost, is, is for some, uh, sorry, not for some, for a lot. Um, <clears throat> we have an epidemic within our culture of a lack of fathers. And I'm not talking about um, fathers that, like, we all have dads, but the, the, the lack of, of a present father Um, For many of us, and every single time, ever since I became a a pastor, I was a youth pastor when I was like 21, and I remember sitting down with people, junior hires, and um, as I look back, it's like almost nine out of ten of them, their dads just weren't around. And as I've gotten older, I begin to to see a a common denominator in how they functioned and how we function. When it comes to what I'll say, moral authority, our culture doesn't like authority. That word "authority" makes us like cringy, like ah, don't tell me what to do. Well, that's because many of us don't know how to honor authority in our life because we didn't receive that from our dads. And I'll say it this way, in a healthy manner, in a manner of of uh, of Christ likeness, of righteousness. And so, <clears throat> we have a lot of work to do. In our culture, and you can just see if you turn on the news, or if you're on TikTok, or if you're on Instagram, um, you know, even a month like this, uh, it just diminishes fatherhood. Um, I'll, I'll never forget, and I won't say because it's just too political. I remember during COVID reading um, a vision statement of a movement that started to sweep the country, and the statement was, "quote We are here to dismantle." the patriarchal uh, movement Um, and that meaning the father movement. We're here to diminish the family unit. We don't need dads, in other words. The government can be our dad, take care of us and feed us and give us money and uh, give us direction. And that, personally, that's just complete contrary to how God established Um, what it means to be in a family unit. So um, a day like this, I I, I get really excited about because because remember, any prophetic voice, I'm not saying I'm a prophet, I'm just saying any prophetic voice speaks what is contrary to the culture and what God wants to do in the future. And we live in a day where all you have to do is look at the family unit. And I said this on Mother's Day, 80%. The the statistics show right now, 80% of those in single home family units, mom, it's just mom, there's no dad, 80%. Like, it's like, all we have to do is just be like, man, like, guys, we we need to wake up. And I would argue the problem with that is a lack of God in our life, a lack of God in a man's life, a lot, like, Christ-likeness is synonymous to manhood. And I'll say it this way as well, likeness is synonymous to womanhood as well. So I was telling Kelly this this morning and, and, and she was like, yeah, that's right, You know, like God and his righteousness is like, okay, yes, 100%, even theologically God and his righteousness, but if you just looked at Jesus as a public figure and you looked him up in the libraries of our day, he was a real person. And when you study his life close enough, you'll begin to realize, man, as a man, I want to be like that guy. As a woman, I want to build and have and take on the attributes and the characteristics of that man. So all of us desire really at the depth. If you look at Jesus's life, we should all try to be like Christ. And yet God is like really not present in many of our lives. I love you. I'm grateful for you. But, but, like, coming on a Sunday is not enough. It's not like an insurance policy. Like, I think I'm good because I just check in on Sundays. Like, if you want to be, for the man and for myself in the room, if we want to be a, a man that has the heart of God, it should be so interwoven in our soul. That the very things we say, the very things we do, the way we act and live and breathe and use our body and and process and use our mind, like all of it, the way we father, the way we parent, should be in line with Jesus, in line with God. Because, watch this God is our father. And um, if God is my father, well, a father brings, so does mom. 100%. We don't have to argue that in the room. <laughs> a father should bring moral authority. So watch this. If you had no moral authority in your life growing up, you're going to have a hard time with God's authority in your life. Hey, don't do that. You don't tell me what to do, God. So you want God and his wonder and beauty and his favor and his protection, but you don't want to take hold of the accountability that he's going to hold you to. And so for all of us, there's there's work to be done, right? I want to read this this song. Um, I, I have three older brothers. I was the last of, of four. My oldest brother, um, like I, when I would go to baseball practice, they used to think he was my dad. <laughs> um, but that's just because he was a lot older than me, you know? But so I have, there's just a family of brothers, and we would just fight and play and watch Rocky Balboa and uh, Over the Top, right, with Sylvester Stallone. And, and I just I just was... I would sit in my brother's Volkswagens and listen to them and see them like, man, they're so cool. I want to be like them. And there was a song sometimes that was played, and they would play it. My mom and dad would play it, and and it's an old school song called The Cats in the Cradle. So for the older generation, you could understand, and for not, I want you to look it up. The, The Cats in the Cradle, but I want to read just a couple of verses of that song. It says this, my child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and there were bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking for I knew it, and as he grew he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. It said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know I'm going to be like him. Well, he came from college just the other day, so much like a man, I just had to say, Son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head, and he, he said with a smile, What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. You feel that? So what that speaks to is a father, but a non-present father that many of us grew up into, many of us even now can like feel the weight of that. And so it's like, as the church, which by the way is the bride of Christ, how do we come against that? Well then we need to raise sons and daughters that are healthy, that eventually become mothers and fathers. So the title of this talk today is The Presence of a Father. Men are responsible for most of the societal upheaval. Men commit 90% of major crimes. Men commit nearly 100% of rapes. Men commit 95% of burglaries. Men commit 91 of offenses against the family. Men compromise or comprise 94% of drunk drivers. 63% of suicides come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state operated institutions came from fatherless homes. of all children do not live with their biological fathers. 85% of children with behavioral problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of children who do not finish school come from fatherless homes. We get the point, right? (laughs) So fathers in the room or sons in the room, your impact is much greater than you can ever think or imagine. So if you're a son in the room, meaning you're not a dad, you got a lot of work to do. Well, well how, how is that? Why? Well, because if, if if you don't get this right with you and God, when you get married, you're not gonna get that right. This has to be better than this anywhere. So if I dedicate my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind, my love, it's the greatest commandment to love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then when I begin to do life and have a wife and have children and parent, then because my love of God is much greater than anything else in the world, then I should, from the conviction of my father, operate in a healthy manner. But that usually isn't the case right now. I can't tell you how many men that I talk to on a regular basis that tell me they believe in God, in Jesus, but like, their, their family or their life does not equate to that. It's like, what happened here? Oh, you don't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You just say you love God. It's something to say I love God, but it's another thing to obey God. There's a big difference. So, it's because we don't get the obey part right. When I say, hey, you got to obey. A lot of us that don't have a healthy sense of moral responsibility or moral authority, we get uncomfortable with that. Honestly, I was... uh, I was getting pretty emotional, I'm an emotional guy, but I was getting pretty emotional when we were singing that last song because I just was thinking about how much I love my, my heavenly father. I love him so much, man. You can't take that from me. All the ideology in the world, all the cultural, the anti, all, anti-God, all that you can't take that from me. And so I'm so grateful for the love that I have and I call him father. I don't just call him God, and so if I call him Father, and we can conceptually understand Father, like I said, it's proximity, it's relational, it's it's a relationship with your Father in heaven in you, as a, a, either a son or a daughter, a daughter. So here's the biblical view of real fatherhood. It's in Matthew three seventeen and in seventeen five, and we're going to just dive into this passage of scripture. Matthew three seventeen says this, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. This is where Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist in a voice from heaven in almost all of the gospels, every gospel records this, and the voice from heaven speaks down and says, this is my son Jesus, whom I love and who I am well pleased with. So I'm gonna break down that passage for today's conversation. The first is, this is my son. This confers identity, by the way, meaning he's telling Jesus who he is. So for the dads in the room, we must, as we look at fatherhood, we must tell our sons and daughter who they are, because if you don't, somebody else will. The school system will, the culture will, their friends will, other parents will, If a coach will, if you do not tell your son or daughter who they are, somebody else will. So it is your responsibility. Why? How do I get this? God shows us the relational dynamic of the father to the son, and the father says, you are my son. You're my son. Today's understanding of manhood on identity is a man without God is his identity is equated with a position. This is the world's definition of manhood on identity, right? A man is what he does, not who he is. A man, his value is earned. In order to to do something in your life, son, you gotta earn it. Uh, I don't know about that, are you sure? Of course, yes, there's some things you gotta earn, but if your identity is based in that, you're gonna be living life just trying to earn people's approval all your life. So that's not a healthy voice to your son or daughter. He must outthink or outplay or outearn others. Imagine if that is your identity. You just have to outthink and outplay and outsmart and out-earn others. Well, then all of your life, you will just be trying to do that for the rest of your life. outearn, outsmart, outlive, outwork others. His goal is also success. Often at the expense of his marriage his children, and meaningful, close relationships. That's the cats in the cradle, by the way. His goal was not fatherhood. It was something else. Now, now don't don't get me wrong. As fathers or as men, we should aspire to have purpose and meaning and and aim and provide for our family. But when when that is at the expense of the family unit and with your children, something's gonna be off. We're not aligning to Christ's likeness at that point. His reward is power, power, strength, which then becomes personal wealth and affluence. Imagine a father speaks that to his son. Son, in order to make it in this life, you gotta have a lot of power. You gotta have a lot of money. And you gotta have a lot of influence. Okay, then he's gonna go after that. That's his identity. So if your earthly father didn't teach you identity, these may be some wounds that you are carrying with you and remember, hurt people hurt people. So here's, here's uh, the identity wounds. I want you to take notes. Just think about this. This might be you if you have a father wound on identity. I do not know where I belong. You have sort of an orphan spirit. So everywhere you go, you don't really know where you belong. I don't really know. I don't really know. I do not know my unique significance. I am plagued with insecurities, Insecure, insecure, insecure. You just walk in a room and you see everyone else. You're like, oh gosh, like there's so much better than me. There's so much smarter than me. There's so much buffer than me, right? Then something's off with your identity. My work becomes my identity. Or I don't know who I am. I have identity confusion. I mask my real self, which is adopting a different identity that will be accepted. So you walk in a room and you just put a mask on. And you play that thing really well. But then when you get in your car and you go home, you pull your mask off and you're broken. Right? So there's a false identity going on here. Or I'm aggressively defensive when criticized. Ooh, that might be a lot of us. <laughs> so, when, some, when these are all, by the way, all of us at some degree have to work on what, what does it mean to have identity. You are defined by what the Father says about you. Not any man, not any person, and if I can even say it like this, not even what your earthly father might have spoken into you. You are not defined by by those things, although what your earthly father says will will have much weight to it. Notice how God the father speaks into our identity the same way he spoke into Jesus' identity. So with the father, here's the contrary, with the father, you know where you belong, If you have an identity with God, you know where you belong. You can walk into a room. Everyone might be confused with who they are and where they're going, but you know exactly who you are. You know your unique significance. You're not plagued by other significances or, or, or their purposes or what they do. You are not plagued by insecurities. Your word doesn't become, I'm sorry, your work doesn't become your identity, and you know who you are. You don't have identity confusion, and you don't have to mask a false self. You are unapologetically you. I know for the women in the room that are single, they're very attracted to those men. They just they know who they are, man. They are confident. You're not going to sway them. You're not going to tell them anything. They're just like, hey, this is me. I love God. If you, if you, you want to do this with me, just know that like, it's going to be with God. If not, I love you, but do your own thing then. That is an attractive man, by the way. Instead, it's like, oh, yeah, sure, we could do whatever. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You just don't really know who you are, and you're just kind of insecure. It's like, well, why didn't you tell me you love me? Do you really love Are you sure you love me or no? You're like, there's, because the identity is, if you don't find it in God, you'll find it in someone else. And it's a danger. It's, and by the way, it is becoming an epidemic in our culture. Maybe you're in the room, and you're a husband, and your identity is in your wife. That's dangerous because i'll tell you this she will not be able to give you what only god can give you and then you're you're kind of putting her on a whole nother pedestal and she's not perfect just a side note (laughs) matthew i'm not saying like you you get what i'm saying right like same thing with kelly like there's no possible way you can hold me to the standard of god I'm gonna aim for it, but the moment she starts thinking that I'm, now she's made an idol out of me or I've made an idol out of her, and the Bible makes it very clear on idolatry. We are not to worship any other God except God the Father, right? So the next is Matthew three seventeen. again. A voice from heaven said, this is my son, identity, with whom I love, with whom I love. I will argue this. The culture and, and we, many of us were raised with fathers that came from like World War I or World War II, maybe not World War II, but you know what I mean. There's a lot of fighting going on. And men had to become tough. I love a tough man. I think that toughness is important. I think that we have a little bit more weak men than we have tough men. But if you're tough and you don't have any tenderness, you're dangerous. I'll say it this way. And I'll say this a lot because it's such a really cool quote. We kind of have this within our lo- like values. It's just a little different. Truth without love is brutality. So you can speak truth, man. Give the truth. It's right or wrong. It's yes or no. But if you don't do it with love, it becomes brutal. You can really damage somebody. But you're telling them the truth. But, Pastor, I told them the truth. Well, did you do it in love? They're not going to receive it then. Truth without love is brutal. And love without truth is cowardly. So men, we need need to like love, but you, you don't just love and love and love and love and love even when everything is like getting all crazy. No, you have to speak truth into it. Hey, this isn't right. This is not okay. I love you, but this is wrong. I'll never forget my father. I would listen, I'm like the last of the four brothers, right? So, I'm like in the car, and all my brothers, some of them are married. So, I get to like listen in on like the marriage thing and talk about, you know, the children and stuff. All, all grandparents do it, right? And so, I'm sitting in the back seat, and I'll never forget this was outside of family. My, my mom was talking about a person at church, and um, the husband would always tell the wife, My mom would want to go get coffee with this-, this one lady. And the husband would say, You need to tell me where you're going, and I need to know when you're leaving. And you, you know what? You can't go. And my dad, I remember, he got so upset in the car. Like, again, that, that anger of injustice. And he's like, man, that's not how you talk to a woman. That's not what you don't, the man doesn't lord over the wife like that. Who does he think he is? You see, I remember hearing these things and what my dad was doing without him even knowing. He was building something within me. Love is sacrificial. Love is service. It's not one lording over the other. Both of the husband and the wife have authority, which, by the way, can I say this? It's not machismo. Did I say that right? Come on. (laughs) It's not a machismo culture. I'm I'm a Latino, right? I'm Mexican, right? But I don't speak Spanish, So, so have love for me. But, but I know this enough. I've been around a little bit long enough where I'm like, what in the world does this dad think? Your daughter's 30 years old and you're trying to tell her what to do? Let her be a woman. Where, where did we get this? I lord over you. I tell you what to do. You, you know what? If you love me, then you're going to listen to me. Ah, that's what we're teaching. And then watch this. That's what then the daughter will think of God. And so men need to get this right. How do you get this right? Greatest commandment. Love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your daughter as yourself. Love your wife as yourself. Love those around you as yourself. But how can you possibly love others if you don't know how to receive love from the Father? Does that make sense? So with whom I love, this provides emotional security, by the way. Dads tell your sons you love them. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's where I was going with the World War thing, right? We we live in a culture sometimes where dads are just so tough but they don't know how to get down to their son or daughter's level and say, I love you. I love you, man. Lenya, I love you. I tell her that like every day. Zoe, I love you. I want her to know your father loves you. Why? Why, because I understand conceptually, theologically, the way we're created as a human, we must be loved. Love is the greatest force to this world. And if we don't receive it from mom and dad, then that little boy will grow up looking for love in all the wrong places. Instead of a secure emotional attachment that first begins with mom and dad and then transforms as they get into adolescence, I am loved. Because moms, we, you got that right. You're good on that. Maybe a little too much. But that's just, you know, you know what I mean. That's why when dads are in the picture, it's like, hey, let them let fall. I'll never forget, how, again, with my dad, I was in a baseball game and I was like, I don't know, it was probably like, gosh, I don't remember the levels. I was probably like 10. And I remember I was on, on third base, and I was fast, so I wanted to steal home. And the ball, you know, got down, I was running, 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 and I slid, and the catcher, like, collided with me, and it, was, it felt brutal to me. And, like, all of the, the dads were like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, and all the moms were yelling, and I'm like, I, I was okay, but I could see their reaction. This is why, I, I, honestly, I'll say this publicly, sometimes it's hard to do this, like, personally, like, please don't do that to your son, so anyway, I remember I was, I was looking for my dad's, what, what did dad think? And my dad was behind the cage and he went, get up, you're fine. He <laughs> said, Sammy, get up. And I said, yeah, that's right, I'm okay. <laughs> what did my dad, that, that, you know what I mean? I get that that's funny and that, that brings humor, but that's real, that's real. Men, you can fall. Your father says, get back up. You can make mistakes. You can get hurt. You can even get some blood on your knees and your face and your nose. Get back up. That's the voice we need from the father. He's both tough and he's both tender. So if we don't have that voice from our father, mom's not going to do it, or mom will do it. Dang, that gets gets kind of interesting. Does that make sense? I won't go any deeper on that one. I can't tell you how many men I talk to who tell me, I've never heard my father tell me he loves me. I can't, I can't, like, it's, it's just adding up all the time. I'm like, hey, man, uh, did you ever hear from your father, son, I'm proud of you, son, I love you? No, man, no, having, I'm like, okay. And then I begin to understand why he's functioning the way he's functioning, because he doesn't have a proper identity of love. So we have to, man, fathers, if you've got little ones, just shower them with love. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't be weird about it, right? Man, Lenya, you're beautiful. I love you. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Kelly always gets Lenya all dressed and ready and puts like her, you know, her dresses on and does her hair, hair really well. And Lenya, and I notice him because I always tell her, you are so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Did mommy do that? You are gorgeous, Lenya. And now she like looks for it. She like walks in the room, and I could see on her face she's going like this. I'm like, Lenya, you are so beautiful. Did mommy do that? Who did that for you, mommy? But what? what are we instilling in our children? You're loved. You are beautiful. To the daughters, you are beautiful. To the son, you are brave. Get back up. Fight again. Stand again. Run again, right? That's, the, that's, that's an emotional, uh, something emotional that we give to our children, the love. So there's emotional security. If your earthly father didn't show love to you, these may be some wounds of emotional insecurity that you may be carrying with you. Here they are. I feel that I probably don't deserve anything. I can never get enough attention or love. So then you're just, like, looking for it all the time, looking for That's what, like, do you love? Oh, how come you didn't tell me you love me, right? I have attention addiction. I do not know my real feelings. We're tossed and turned, as James says, all over the place with our emotions. I try to earn respect or love by trying to prove that I am good enough. This isn't a... Uh, so when we have these, 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 these things, they're wounds, that point back to maybe your father didn't speak loving to you, right? But what's the good news? Our father does that for us. If you didn't have a dad raised up, I get that. It's hard. Like, we live in that now, but your heavenly father does. That is why, if I could say this in community, we need to raise fathers in our community, healthy fathers that speak into our life. Those fathers bring accountability. Those fathers bring a sense of direction we must in our community raise healthy mothers and fathers spiritual mothers and fathers Matthew 3:17 again a voice from heaven said this is my son identity with whom i love emotional security with him i am well pleased i'm proud of you you've done something you are just you and watch this, Jesus in his ministry, arguably he turned water into a wine, but he had done nothing in his ministry for the Father to say, I'm so proud of you. So what does that tell us? We don't earn God's love. We, I don't, there's nothing I have to possibly do. If Jesus, the Son of God, didn't have to do, the only thing, that's why we're called, by the way, human beings, In just your being, the Father loves you so much. He says, I'm proud of you just because you're you. You're uniquely you. You're created. You're loved. You're cherished. I I molded you. I shaped you. I brought structure to your life. I thought about you. I knew you before your mom and dad, before you were even conceived. I know every hair upon your head, and I am proud that you are mine. That's what the Father says. I'll never forget on, on this one, for me, um, <laughs> when I was leaving to Bible school, like, for some reason, like, again, I'm an emotional guy, right, so I was already crying. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so sad. I'm leaving people. I was going all the way to Springfield, Missouri, and I was leaving, and I'll never forget, I went up to my dad, and I was like, oh, dad, I'll see you, and he hugged me really tight, and um, he was emotional, and that it makes me emotional, right? And he was like, I'm proud of you, Sam. It was, like, hard for him to say it. I'm, pr- I'm, I'm proud of you. And, like, I was, what, 19, because I was a little bit older in high school? I was 19 when he did that, and I just remember what, like, it just, it did something to me. Dang, my dad's proud of me. Wow. Because we, we yearn for that. All the days of our life, by the way, we yearn to have someone say, to have our fathers to say, I'm proud of you, son. Son, I'm proud of you. Right? Up until this point of ministry, Jesus, he had done nothing, yet the father was pleased, happy, and joyful of him just because he was his son. So this is affirmation, okay? Dads, are you affirming your children? Are you telling them how proud you are of them? Are you speaking life into them? A father is the encourager of the home. Again, mom's already got this right. We don't even, you know what I mean? Mom's already got this right, but the father's, should be the encouragers, along with the mom, affirming identity, affirming who they are, affirming purpose, affirming how proud anything, that's why as fathers and mothers, we we have to be studying our children. Man, you are really gifted in this. You affirm that, you speak speak life into that because there's a gift there, there's something God gave you, and you're to use it, God's given you purpose. That's why many psychologists will argue that Around the junior high years, that's when we were our, right before the junior high years, we were most ourselves, meaning we didn't care what people thought. Just, I don't know, what did you do? Did you draw? Did you paint? Did you play guitar? However you acted was just you, but then you get into junior high, and now you got peer pressure, and now people are telling you who you are. And again, if dad's voice isn't greater than theirs, There's a book from James Dobson called Raising Daughters, and if you're a father and you have a daughter, it'll make you cry. At least it did for me. And there's a a small little piece in there where he brought a bunch of women together in a room like this that had relationship dynamic issues with their father. And the thing that broke me, again, Lenya's like this big at the time, the thing that broke me is the women that had gone off to do like, you know, they, they hurt themselves and they had maybe children out of wedlock. They never really got married. It was just kind of all over the place. They said almost a common denominator, James Dobson noticed was they said, when I was in my junior high years, I just I wanted my dad to say you're beautiful. I craved it and he didn't. So then I'd look for other people. So as soon as someone else would tell me that, oh, I was drawn to it. And I remember I'm like, oh God, this is it's terrible. That's why I started telling Lenya and Zoe, as soon as like, you're beautiful, you are so gorgeous, because daughters crave that from their dads, right? So are you speaking life into them? The gifts they have, affirm them. The courage they show, affirm them. The compassion and kindness your child shows, affirm them. Affirm the values that you want to see placed within them. Affirm those things, Right? Father wounds of no affirmation is, I do not feel I have any contribution to make. I don't really know what I'm doing here. Compliments are observed with suspicion. Are you sure? You really think that? I always feel uncertain. So there's an anxiousness that comes with this. I try to impress people all the time, right? And I struggle with immaturity. It doesn't matter how old you are, you can still struggle with immaturity, right? So Matthew 17, five, this is the last one. Worship, you guys can come on up. While he was still speaking, this is another verse that was very similar to this passage. While he was still speaking, this is Jesus, a crowd, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, identity, with whom I love, emotional security, with him I'm well pleased, affirmation. And then he added this, listen to him. The father said this about Jesus, listen to him. Okay, this transfers, here it is, moral authority, that we aren't just to, this is Shema, Shema, by the way, in the Old Testament, we aren't just to hear, I heard you, God, but we are to obey. There's a big difference. I know I'm loved, I know I'm loved, but do you obey that voice that says you are loved? right? That's moral authority. Father and mothers in our life bring a sense of moral authority, but if it's just mom doing this, something's not right. Something's not right. Um, I had a pastor, uh, Pastor Mike, you guys know him. Um, he told me something that like really struck a chord in me. Uh, we were sitting, me and Kelly had lunch with them, and, and I really view him as, as sort of like a spiritual mentor in my life. And so I was asking questions about like, parenting, you know, because Lenya, you guys know Lenya, she's a strong-willed child, and um, me and Kelly were working out one day, and uh, Lenya ran out, ran out the garage, and she started going down the street, and I can't stand when she does that, because it's not as dangerous, right, and I was working out, you know, and and I remember I got upset with Kelly, because we brought her back in, Kelly did, and I'm like, Kelly, you need to discipline, she needs to know that was not right. And then me and her got like in a little argument. We were going back and forth. And so then I told Pastor Mike this, and him and his wife were just kind of like, like, you kind of know something's off. And again, teachability. I was like, please teach me. What am I doing wrong? I could tell you, you don't what, what? And he said, the father, when mom and dad are present, the father should be the disciplinary. Why? Because our father is. Said, oh, my gosh. The family unit. Mom, he said, mom in this stage is the emotional love provider. That's why I'm like, I got okay when like Lenny and Zoe always want mom. Mom, 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 they just want mom, they want mom, because that's a good attachment. That's how how God established the mom, the nurturer, the, the one who tends, the one who takes care. Naturally, the mom wants to do that. And us dads need to view that as discipleship to do that well as well. But oftentimes, we're a little distant in those moments. And I would be like, why doesn't Lenya love me like she loves you? And I was all jealous, right? <laughs> Insecure, right? Now I'm like, oh, God, thank you. Thank you that Lenya knows that love from mom. What's my role? To speak more authority into her. Lenya, in this home, we are kind. In this home, we are compassionate. In this home, we share so when you disobey, there are consequences. Why? Because there's consequences for me with God. Correction. Moral authority. And so I have to te- we have to teach that to our children. You, if you have, have to teach that. Imagine you just let them do whatever they want. Dang, good luck when they're 12 years old. They're going to start telling you what to do. Right? So that's what James Dobson says, by the way, a a, a little three-year-old, four-year-old girl snapping back at mom and dad is not cute when she's 13, 14 years old. Okay, got it? Moral authority is submission to your moral compass. The question is, from where do we derive the measurement of justice and truth and righteousness? Where do we get the moral compass that tells us this is right or this is wrong? Whatever the moral compass, good moral behavior or moral intelligence is the ability to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason in order to advance common good. Parents need to set the example and also guide their children towards obedience to their moral compass because if they don't learn that right, what makes you think they're going to learn it right when they're not in your home? The set of principles that tell you how to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason to advance common good. So where do we get this moral compass? God. We get this from God. Mothers and fathers, we get this from God. So we have to get this right first, right? We have to really get that right. Deuteronomy 6, one through nine says, these are the commands. They're not invitations. They're not, hey, you know, if you want, commands, Decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you. So, so that, I want to teach you something. This is so important. Why is moral authority important? Because a proper, healthy person, both mom and dad, that understands authority, they use their authority to serve well and to teach well. So imagine as a pastor, right, because I'm a pastor, if I was unhealthy and I used my authority to tell you what to do, Eventually, you'd see like, ah, something's off there. I don't really, it's like tyrannical almost. Look at the countries that dictate, right? They use their authority to bestow control over their people. If we do that as fathers, they're going to run from you. But watch this. The reason why God brings his moral authority on us is is why? So that we may enjoy long life. Do you want to live long? I know I do. So that it may go well with you. Whatever that means, I want it to go well with me. So that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey. Wherever God has called you, whatever purpose he's given you, so that that would flow with milk and honey. Love your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and impress them in your children and talk about them when? Always. The reason why God gives, shows us moral authority is not to tell us you can't do that and, and withhold anything from us. It's actually so that He can invite us into a, a life of wonder and beauty. It's like if we're driving up to Big Bear and there's no railing and we have no structure, we're just going to go off the cliff and that's it. We're dead. Right? So, What God does is he brings a railing. He says, no, 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 this, this is how you do it, so that you can find what I've gifted you in and loved you in and called you to. There is a sense of moral authority to obey God. That is where we're at. That's what we're after. But notice, he doesn't force you to obey him. So then the question is, like, as our children get older, are we forcing them to obey us? I would argue, those children will run from you as fast as they possibly can. I've seen it happen with my own friends. Well, as soon as you turn 18, I remember my my friends' parents would tell my buddy this, as soon as you turn 18, you could do whatever you want. And that was unknown to me. Mom and dad didn't say that. When you turn 18, anything you want, you can do then because you're an adult. And so then my friend turned 18, and he became a mess. And I'm like, there's not really a difference between me, like 18 now, like, What's the difference? Well, it's because my parents taught me in that way of responsibility. There was a moral authority in my home. I wanted to obey. I wanted to listen. So fathers, we're done here. Fathers, we need to step up. Dads, men, we need to step up in the room. And sons and daughters, we need to honor our fathers. That doesn't mean while we're an adult, we have to agree with her choices, right? Right? or agree with their chaos, but you can still honor your father, even if he wasn't there. You know that? Imagine the impact if you have a disconnected relationship with your dad, if you just called him today. Maybe you haven't talked to him in years. You said, hey, dad, I just want you to know, happy Father's Day. I love you. And you might be like, I can't say that. Well... that's an area where you and god need to go deeper that's called discipleship i can't say i love my i don't love my dad you know all the stuff he did man so then the poison's in you the bitterness is in you and the last i checked i'm sorry i'm going deep with this the last i checked the bible says if we have any unforgiveness in our heart our prayers hit the ceiling do you know that terrifying So it's like, like why isn't anything going right like god's not answering my prayers i can't find any favor and it's like Well, you hate your dad. You hate your dad, and God loves your dad. So forgive him. Forgiveness doesn't mean you're all good with what he's done. It just means you let go of that resentment and bitterness. And if you don't, you're eventually going to become like him, bitter, angry, malicious, all the time, not wanting anything to do with anybody. Discipleship says love. How will they know? How will they know that you are a disciple of Jesus that you would love. Even the ones that have done the most wrong to you that you would love, amen, amen. So the four responsibility of fathers are this, and we're done. A father establishes authority, a healthy father. A father confers identity, speaking to your son and daughter's life. And a father provides security. And a father affirms potential. Get back up, stand up again. Run again, walk again, breathe again. Stop laying there, playing the victim. You can do this. I, the Father says, am with you. Will you stand with me? God, I pray for every person in the room that may have any of these father wounds. God, I pray for your sons and daughters in the room. I pray for spiritual mothers and fathers to arise in this room. I pray, God, that you would show us a new way in our culture. That the church, as it was always designed to do and be, would lead culture. I pray that we would become a people that know how to love others well, that know how to bring a sense of moral authority only because we get that from you, only because we abide in you, only because we obey in you. And I pray, Jesus, that as we begin to do that as sons and daughters, For those that are single, for those that want to get married, for those that even are fathers now, I pray that we would rearrange, that we would repent, we would turn from our ways, that we would look to you as our Lord and Savior and Father and say, do it in me first, God. If there's any unforgiveness, if there's any bitterness, if there's any resentment in our dads, even though they've done wrong, even though they brought hell on earth, Jesus, would you show us the same heart that you have for them so that we would would forgive them? Only you can do that, God. So we love you, we honor you, and I pray that you would convict every man in this room to stand. The dry bones that were dormant for so long, I pray that you'd put flesh and blood on them again. That they would wake up, that they would be awakened by your spirit, that they would be drawn to more, that they would be drawn to life, that they would be drawn to loving you first and foremost, and that in that you would do a great work in them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.